0: Thank you so much for joining us for another one of our vlogs and podcast series for Walk the World. I am so excited today to have my friend, colleague, neighbor, uh, former intern, leader, all kinds of ways that I could introduce uh, Salat Ali. Um, to everyone who's joining us today. And many of you watching probably already have the privilege of knowing him. So very excited to have you today, Salat, to um, join in this conversation and, and drop some wisdom on us and some insight into these things. So would you mind just starting off uh, for those people who don't have the chance to know you, sharing a little bit about kind of who you are and what what in your journey brings you to this conversation?
1: Awesome, awesome. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. Um, It's an honor to be um, here and and to just talk to you. Um, And uh, yeah, and so I just wanted to just, so I am here because first I am a refugee um, and I live in the United States and what I and currently right now I am working on a documentary. And so I'm here because I really care about refugees and I really care about new Americans in general. And one of the things that I believe is that the voices of refugees are not amplified. Um, I also believe that they are the most vulnerable groups um, in our country. And I feel that we need people who can stand up, who can provide resources um, to folks like this so that they can um, become a member of our societies. and, and flourish in, in, in their new community. So I'm here to kind of, so some of the things that I do is, is I'm basically here to kind of just amplify voices of, of refugees. And I, and I think I might be repeating myself, but yes. <laughs> um, yeah.
0: That's a very important task and there are not, you are a perfect person to be doing it. So I'm grateful for you taking time to do that with us today. So this podcast and blog series is uh, Walk the World, which I know you and I have had a bit of a chance to talk about how we're we're virtually walking through the world, um, and today we're walking through the borders of Kenya and Somalia, and I know we, we literally, right before we started this recording, just got to have a conversation about that region of the world and kind of all that is is happening in that space um, in terms of the geopolitics and all those fun things, um, but in light of all those things, it's so so normalized for us to not actually see the people, to see the beauty, to see the culture, to see all these, the, the things that are true of that, that place, that beautiful place that you um, were, where you were born. Um, and so I would love, would you mind just like with words, painting a little bit of a picture, if we were actually walking through um, the part of the world where you were born and raised in your early years, um, and I think is your heart home, uh, I might be speaking out of turn in that, but I know you have a lot of love for it. Can you paint a picture with those words of kind of what we would see? What would we experience? Turn on our senses to the beauty of the place.
1: Okay, so that's actually a a really, really interesting question because when you're asking me these questions, I I really think about like home and how would I describe home? Um, In terms of just, I think, talking about home. It's it's really difficult for me to say um, where home is for me. Um, my parents uh, fled the civil war in Somalia um, and then they fled into Kenya. And so I was born in Kenya in a refugee camp. Um, and so I grew in and, and, and this refugee camp that I was in, uh, we grew up in like, it was, it was a really, really, really poor place. Um, everything was kind of uncertain. It was a place that was wild. Um, right? Like there would be wild animals that could really get you at night. Um, there weren't really comfy beds. Everything was made out of stick. Um, food was uncertain. Um, I remember when I was a kid, I only had like one shirt that I used to wear. Um, for like years. And I, I would only just wear like one long shirt. And so I had had nothing under, under inside. Um, I remember walking around without shoes. Um, I really was um, the way that America portrays Africa in, in, in some sense. Um, but then again, I think like that message is overplayed a lot. Um, I actually think in terms of like homes in a lot of regions in, in Africa, uh, they're a lot more fortunate. Um, and so just to kind of paint a pinch, picture of where I was, that's kind of what it really looked like for me. Um, and so I'm really grateful that like there were programs such as the UN that can help resettle my family into a, into a place like this because it really meant a lot for, for my family. Um, and there are still a lot of families there Um, and so I I hope that really painted a picture of what home really was like for me. Um, and also just to kind of, right now I'm talking about living in Kenya in a refugee camp. So I really don't even know what living in like Nairobi or Mombasa looked like because they're considered developed cities. I was eight hours north in Kenya, right next to the borders of Somalia. So, um, that is what what I know, what home really felt like for me. So when someone really asks me, where is home, right? Like I think about, you know, my father always told me home was Somalia. He tells me stories about what Somalia was like. He tells me how my father was a farmer. He talks about how it was easy to farm there. He tells me how cattle's he tells me how it was really great to plant things there. He tells me about a lot of beautiful things, how everything was green, how the sand was red, right? So I know what, I, I have a picture of what living in Somalia is like, but I've never been there. I grew up in a camp. It was pretty isolated, right? Like in the camp, they speak um, uh, Swahili. I don't speak Swahili. It's just, that's how isolating it was. Um, Cause we weren't allowed to like integ- integrate with the, uh, with like the group, the, 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 the Kenyan natives. Um, and so then I, I came to the US, right? Like I grew up with like Mariah Carey, <laughs> I, I, right? Like I, I grew up with um, Neo, Chris Brown. Um, right? like I, 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 watched, I, I grew up watching, um, you know, uh, what was it? Between the Lions uh, and see, see I, I don't know if you guys know uh, Dragon Tales, <laughs> Sesame Street. So like, even here, it really does feel like home. So um, yeah, so I, I really hope, uh, as I'm just kind of talking, I, I, I hope I answered your question.
0: That's, that was perfect. Just a painting of the picture of how home, like you said, is a complicated question, because it's many things to you. And in some ways, as you highlighted, even a home you've never been to is a part of of home for you, right? Um, you mentioned how your dad told you stories. Um, is there any other ways that your dad or your family brought culture that from from the homeland that has continued to be a part of your life here in, in the US?
1: Yes, there is no way to run away from culture. Um, I think culture is something that is a practice as a group that we agree upon saying, this is how we as a society function. Um, And so I think, so I wasn't, our culture is Somali. It came with us when we were in the refugee camp. i learned about it. I knew like, I knew how the Somali culture works. I knew how socializing was. And then I even came when I, even when I, we left, uh, Kenya, the refugee camp, even coming to America, the culture was still there. And the only person that held on the culture was my father and my family. Um, and, and also the Somali people around our, our communities. Um, and so for me, I, I, I don't know, I think that's what kept culture in my, in, in my, in my household. It was because of like my father. I, uh, my father was a single, uh, single guy, and our parents divorced when I was like six. So I was mainly raised by my dad. And so many of the things that I've learned about what the Somali culture is like, it was through my father. And it was also just through neighbors. Um, I sometimes don't consider myself Somali because I, like, I don't feel like I'm, I am as cultured as I should be. Um, there are a couple of things that I like, there are a lot of things actually <laughs> that, that I disagree with. Um, um, I think I don't have a lot of great things to say about our Somali Somali culture. And I think I and I think that just comes from like a personal perspective. Um, so yeah. Um,
0: Is there any one thing you could highlight that you do see as being a, a beautiful or at the very least a, a rich and meaningful part? of the
1: culture? Yes. (laughs) Um, Yes, I think there is one. Um, One of the biggest things that I've learned about the Somali culture is that they are a nation of poets and what they used to do. So there's a lot of tribalism that goes on in my culture. Um, One of the things that I've learned is that when two clans get upset at each other, instead of physically fighting things out or, or like uh, war, what they would do is they, uh, one clan would kind of get their best poet and then the other clan would get their best poet. And whoever wins the poetry kind of wins the whatever, whatever they were disagreeing on. Um, I don't know if that's a positive thing or, or <laughs> but yeah. I, at least, Beautiful. you know. It's, it's an alternative way to, to resolve a disagreement. And I think that probably is a way to kind of, um, I think that is a kind of a positive way to, to resolve a disagreement. I'll give them that. Um, <laughs> um, I, I'm the biggest criticizer when it really comes down to culture, um, to, to the Somali culture. I think I actually upset people by the way I like, uh, so I'm not, like, I mean, again, there's also this piece of like family comes first. Um, there's also that, and our culture really talks about that. And and they really uphold that. Everything that you do, you do it for the family. But I also, like, I think, again, this is just, I think it works for some people, how putting family works for some people, um, but it never worked for me. Um, it it never did, but I think that I could also see why that would be a positive thing as well.
0: I think there's also a lot in what I hear you saying is that while you're speaking to the Somali culture that you identify with multiple cultures, Um, and so that I'm sure also plays a part just in in kind of the different aspects we pick up, and I know even just within my own life, I've lived life in a bunch of different cultures or at least shades of different cultures. Um, and and uh, there's beautiful and there's challenging parts to I think every place I've ever been, every every aspect of my own culture and and every aspect of any other culture I've gotten the chance to witness, right? They all come with, with a so, beauty. So yeah, I,
1: there's also like other positive things as well. Um, I I think one of the most positive parts is like the way that they welcome people. Um, I think the way that they welcome strangers, that there is this, that I think that is one beautiful thing about it. Um, Well, that's one of the beautiful things. Um, But like now that I think about more of it, I think the way that we welcome strangers, I think that that's a really positive one. Um, Somali people are considered social people because they don't have a lot of access to technology. I think like having access to a computer, a phone or a TV isolates you. When you don't have access to these sorts of things, it gets you to become like a social person. Um, they love entertainment. And so one of the things again, in the Somali culture is that like they tell stories to each other. Um, I, when I went to the refugee camp in 2018, um, I actually was, one. So it was the craziest way to enter a refugee camp. Um, But uh, there's such a storytellers that I would walk around and people would say, and and the camp, uh, there's about 200 and I think 65,000, around there, 265,000 refugees there. And I remember just kind of walking and and people would be like, hey, aren't you the guy that brought the UN to, to look for his mom? And I've never seen this person in my life. So like, you could tell that these folks are people who really tell stories. And I think, again, it's it's the way that I've entered <laughs> the camp that made, it, w- it was just a huge presence. Um, and so I think that's also like one of the cultures that I think I like, right? Like I think being s- they're social folks. Um, um,
0: so in all of that, you know, I think we hear echoes of your story. You shared a bit of your story. You speak about going back to to the camp and to Kenya, um, looking for your mom. And I'm sure people listening are like, "There's all kinds of parts of this story that I'm missing to put together to make up this person." Um, and I I know that that you going back to the camp um, mm. was a really really big um, deal in your life. And you mentioned looking for your mom. Um, Would you mind for those folks who didn't have the privilege of getting to watch you as a part of that journey, what was that all about? What were you going to do? Talk to us about that.
1: So I went to the refugee camp in 2018 um, and there were a couple of intentions as to why I went there. Um, So first it's been almost 13 years since I've seen my mom during the time of 2018. Um, I've been separated from her for a really long time. Um, I was even separated from her uh, in the refugee camp because my parents divorced in the worst possible way. Um, and so that also did not really help to like let me go see my mom. And then from there, I just came to the camp. So if you really add the years, it would be, I could say 15 years or 16 years or 17 years that I haven't even seen my mom. Um, So that was one of the things. When I graduated college, I wanted to make sure that I've seen my mom. Um, There were a lot of barriers that made this really difficult for me. Um, One, I was learning English when I came to America. Um, Two, I was a a young guy who didn't really understand the meanings of a lot of things. I had no purpose. Um, Three, my father didn't know a lot and he felt like he felt like he, he just couldn't really go back my dad didn't even went back to Africa as well um, and so I didn't have a job when I finally find a job I started saving some money and then I oh I and first I really just wanted to go see my mom I just felt like that was something that I needed to go do um, and so I think that was one that was one reason and the other one was um, I'm working on a documentary um, and I really wanted to get this documentary done. Uh, The documentary is basically about um, sharing what it really means to be a Black refugee Muslim man in America. Um, I was compelled to put this together because I felt like the new American story was being told from a perspective of a person that had no idea what that meant. And I think because of the stories being told of people that are new immigrants, I think this is kind of dangerous because it gives people perspectives and and, and perceptions of what these people are, right? The the new Americans. And I felt like there were people out there who had no idea what this means, who had no idea what it means to to carry these labels that were saying things that were not true. So I felt like as a person who carries these labels, I felt like this was incorrect and that this was a very dangerous narrative to be sharing. So I was encouraged to talk about, to to put this documentary together, to really share the most authentic um, story possible um, where people can look at different aspects of my own personal life um, to really kind of put together their own narrative of what they think instead of of somebody else telling what they should feel about a certain group. so I wanted to put this documentary together. I, I found a team and we fundraised and the craziest part about this is that I took the leap of trusting my community and, and, and really getting really vulnerable in front of my community and they've responded so wonderfully. Um, I've never have I've never was vulnerable in front of people. I am a private person and I feel like I needed to like, not be private for me to tell this story um and so i did that i took the leap of trusting my community and they responded so beautifully they i did a fundraiser it reached exactly the goal that i was looking for um i did a gofundme it, it exceeded what i was looking at um, people were just donating so much and uh, i was overwhelmed by it just and and that felt so good that I carried that with me when I when I went to uh, the camp. And and the camp was not a like it wasn't an easy transition for me because my mind remembers the stories my body just did not remember anything anymore because it's been like 13 years. So I was struggling and the only thing that really that really kept me going was just the feeling of how I was just sent to a camp by my community. Um and so it was just the most precious thing. Um yeah, so that, that's kind of, I don't know, I forgot the question, but like, that's kind of where, where the reasons why, um, why um, I'm doing uh, the documentary yep. and the reason why I had to go, I, I went back. Um,
0: so now about this, this documentary, um, it's still ongoing. The process of creating it is still ongoing um yes. anything that anyone can participate in um I know there's a lot you could share and so I just I want to make sure you have so, the space for, to share whatever you want to regarding that experience of making it to date or how people could be involved wherever you'd like to take that
1: so um we're still looking for donations um, I've learned that creating a documentary is not um uh, an easy expense. Um, it's not, it requires a lot of money. Um, and I also just think that this is one of the huge barriers where I think people who are um, refugees or who are immigrants don't have. Um, and I realize the biggest barrier is just access to, to, to money and, and access to, to tools and access. And this gives you the platform to really tell your story of who you are. Um, and so yeah, right now we're still looking for donations, and this organ um, uh, the the project actually has a uh, is is fiscally sponsored by HopePrint. Um, we have a page um, where we're still accepting donations. If there's anything that you can donate, um, please do not hesitate to donate. Um, again, we're 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 in the post production. Um, we received. Um, I, we, we've we've been pushed so much by the community and that we still need that push um, I just think that when this documentary comes together it's going to be the most authentic thing um, and, and, the, and 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 it's going to be on the backs of thousands of people who, who who've, who've offered to help so I really want whoever donates to this project to know that they are one of those people who are who are kind of amplifying the voices of who are refugees and
0: immigrants. That's excellent. And for anyone who does want to donate um, at the on the vlog and the podcast, we'll have the link for you to get to the website that shares more about the documentary and gives you that opportunity. Um, it also has a space for you to sign up to let Salat know that you would like to in any way offer up any kind of help that you might otherwise, besides financial too, If in case if there's anything... Um, that would be a good fit there. And just for clarification, too, for everyone, if you're not familiar with fiscal sponsorship, that's essentially a restricted donation. So anything that goes into um, that fund is very specific to this documentary and this project um, to be put towards that. And so if you donate on that page, it will go directly into this important work of amplifying amplifying voices. Uh, I know from I was just saying to Salat before we got on here that uh, there is we could have hours and hours of conversation. I've never had a phone call with you where we didn't talk about something deep and profound and world changing or jarring or something um, of great meaning. Uh, so I know we could could continue this for for many more uh, many more minutes, if not hours. Um, but I want to just land it here for everyone that's with us today, and just wonder if there's any one more thing that you know, given this space, whoever might be listening from our local community from across the United States, is there anything else you just want to leave any part of that voice you want to have amplified in this particular conversation?
1: Awesome. So if there's anything that I can, um, I can ask of anyone is for people to get out of their comfort zone, and and to meet a new American and and to have a conversation with a new American, I think our experiences help us develop perception. And I think what we learn from folks um, really is a strong. Um, I think it's the strongest resource that we can have. Um, when so, if, if I were if I were to say anything, I, I think. This would be the perfect time where we can. Um, this is this is the perfect time where we can um, the, to have a conversation um, with with a refugee and, and immigrant. So, sorry, I was interrupted.
0: No problem at all. Yeah, so perfect time to have a conversation to to start a relationship because when yeah. we we actually meet human to human, yes. and exchange. And- just hello right it's the beginning of changing perceptions and removing labels and seeing people right yes. and
1: also when a person actually arrives to um this country it feels isolating um and i think this would be something that would real, would make someone who's new to this country feel welcomed um, so yeah
0: well, thank you so much, Salat, for taking time and for your work on behalf of all of us, really, to amplify those voices. We are all going to be stronger and better and um, and more wiser, enlightened, all kinds of things, I'm sure, as we continue to get to hear your voice and the voices of others through your documentary and through this series and through our lives as we get to share them. Um, with people such as yourself. So I know I feel that way about um, getting to have you in my life and in our community. And I hope that everyone who's listening today that you also um, just had your eyes open to see things a little differently maybe than you did before, or maybe feel compelled towards something um, that you didn't start off listening to this uh, feeling. So uh, if we have accomplished that, we've taken a step in the right direction um, today and hope that many more lie ahead. So thanks again, Salat. Yeah,
1: no problem. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, th- this was, this was an honor to be, to be in, in podcasting with you. So yeah,
0: right back at you. We'll have a wonderful rest of your day.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Okay.